Hello and welcome to another edition of Pollock and Thurston. I am John Pollock. He is Brandon Thurston. Both of us are indoors right now, staying away from the uh, toxic air that is uh, permeating throughout uh, uh, the Northeast United States, uh, coming courtesy of uh, Canada that everyone is uh, blaming us for. How are you doing today, Brandon? I'm good. The air quality seems to be better today than it was yesterday, but it it definitely smelled like someone was uh, cooking up some hot dogs or something yesterday. Yes, I, I, it's, uh, it's quite the unique smell if you are out and about wherever uh, you are, whether you are in Buffalo, whether you are in Toronto or all parts in between. But the question I want to ask you right off the top, Brandon, is if you were David Zaslov, would you hypothetically hire Kendall Roy to run CNN? I, I would definitely hire Tom Wom's games. Mm, okay. Yeah. Well, we will uh, maybe maybe some CNN chatter will, will come up. But today we have a special guest joining us. You have heard his voice on Wrestling Observer Live, We're Live Pal, and of course, the Matt Man Podcast, a great reporter joining us for the first time, Andrew Zarian from an undisclosed location. Andrew, thanks for jumping on with us. I'm live from my bunker in New York City to escape the uh, the toxic fumes that have been uh, in- infecting all of us here. Uh, John, thanks for so much for having me. Brandon, it's always great to do something with you. Uh, two of my favorite people in wrestling media. So this is a treat for me to be on, to be honest. Well, we have a, we have a, you're in an undisclosed location. We have an ultra double secret spreadsheet of guests that we seek out. And Andrew Zarian, definitely someone on the list. So this was the week uh, that we wanted to have you on because, you know, with, with collision coming up on June 17th, uh, you've done a lot of great reporting pretty much from the get go of this being an idea that formed and now into this two hour primetime show for AEW. Going back to when you were starting the first year rumblings about the idea of a new Saturday night show, what were some of your initial impressions about what this would mean for how this would change the face of AEW and how it operates? So initially, I, I actually I was I was speaking to Brendan uh, Brandon a, a ton about this because uh, I was kind of going back and forth because some of the some of the conversations was it was being pieced together as I was getting the information amongst war- people in Warner Media. Uh, I was told this over a dinner sometime early March that uh, there's another AEW show coming and it's most likely on Saturdays and possibly at six o'clock. And the person that asked me if it, why, you know, is there, is there something important about the six o'clock time slot? I'm like, yeah, it's a six oh five time slot, you know, on TBS or TNT. It's a, it's historic for wrestling. And, um, I, I always, I always like getting wrestling news from non wrestling fans. Because there's no, uh, I, you know, I, I can't imagine they're adding more to the story than, than what's being presented to them. So, uh, it was a conversation over dinner for, and it was supposed to be a one hour show initially. And I was told, um, now it makes more sense, uh, that it was a replacement for AEW Dark and Dark Elevation more than anything else. And I guess because of the conversations with Punk, uh, kind of working out over the last couple months, they were able to pitch a two hour show. Now, I don't know if this came from the Warner Media side initially or the AW side, but it turned into this. It was never going to be an A show as far as I know, you know, how I was told this. I was told that it was just going to be a show to get more talent on television to get them presented in front of a, a large national audience rather than being on the internet. So, and then slowly it snowballed and we saw that report in February that came out that AEW had trademarked the collision name and little by little we were just able to piece this together and it's, it's not a, a C show or a B show. It's an A show, an A1 show of sorts. And 
Uh, it's, it's, I love getting the information piece by piece and seeing how it kind of matures into what's going to be presented on TV next week. Uh, it, it was really interesting because I, I would not have expected if, if somebody said to me, Oh, they're doing another two hour show and it's, you know, it's going to be led by CM Punk. I probably would have had to dig deeper, uh, because it was so out there to do another two hours, but now you're seeing the TV product and it, it makes all the sense in the world. Yeah. So you don't think this is something that was contingent on, um, CM Punk and the notion that CM Punk can't be in the same building as certain other people. I was never told that. It, it's possible. It really is. Um, it could have become that, but initially the first thing I was told that this was going to be a one hour show. Uh, I think they saw the success of the first battle of the belts. And I know that the, the following ones didn't have the high ratings, but the first battle of the belts did a, did a solid number. I think it was in the sevens. Uh, WrestleNomics, WrestleNomics yeah, would know better than me, but I think it was in the sevens. The, the first one did, did very well. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. And it kind of, I, I think that was maybe the catalyst to this. And, uh, it just, I, I never heard that it was b- just based on punk. Maybe the two hours was, I, I think when they got to that punk's conversation, it might have been based on that. But initially this was to eliminate, uh, dark elevation and AW dark. And when we look at sort of where it grows from the idea of, a potential one hour time slot to a two. I mean, once, once you're graduating the two, this, like, from your understanding, was this always going to be undertaking a second night of production for AEW or because that really changes the equation here when you're adding a second night of taping television and all of the expenses that come with it, where this is now suddenly like this is a major undertaking uh, by the company and is going to change the lives of many of the wrestlers that are required to be on Saturday and for some personnel that will be on the road Wednesday and Saturday. Yeah. I, I don't think it was going to be another day to film. I don't, I don't think it would have been another uh, taping schedule. I think they would have probably replaced whatever they were doing on dynamite, you know, prior to it with filming, you know, these matches. I, I, if I were to say what a main event would have been on that show, I probably would think like someone like Jarlistico would have been main eventing that show, or you would have uh, Takeshita main eventing that show just to get talent on TV. What a what a really good main event, you know? That doesn't have to be your A player. Uh, now, you know, y- y- once you go to two hours, you can't really do that. You can't have people sitting there for four to five hours of tapings uh, in, in one shot and not expect the audience to get exhausted. So the two hours forces them more than anything else. Yeah, so I have the the January 2022 is the first battle of the belts, and you're right. It did 704,000 viewers, 0.27 in the demo. That's that's like just under what a dynamite does these days. Yes, Um, I'm not mistaken. I think that that was going against like NFL competition on that Saturday. If I'm Saturday night in in January, like that, that tells you like where the interest was because it's it was such a throwback to well, here's Tony Khan's version of Clash of the Champions, and here is a special that there was a lot of interest. But you have seen where that event has sort of settled into like the last one. I think we're talking like four hundred thousand ish uh, viewers is where it's settled in. Four fifteen and four oh nine were the last two. Well, there you have it with uh, the, the yeah, battle. I'm curious of the to see if, if this question to be asked about whether that show is even going to continue with, I mean, where is it going to air? It's, it's a little bit more, you know, jammed now and you got two hours, you got five hours total of AEW. Are they going to take the time to do an additional battle of the belt show four times a year? 
Why not? Let's just do a whole like every night of hour of rampage. That's what they've been in in the last three has been eleven o'clock earrings on Friday. So they've just been like an extra hour on to rampage. I suppose they could still do. Do you know what the reason for that would be? Why they would is it is it just to fulfill the commitment of X amount of shows uh, per year, and they just that's the time slot they're putting it in? I I, it's bizarre to do another show following you know rampage. It, It it sort of lines up with like you know the for the Arthur Ashe shows, they've done an extra hour of Rampage for those. And then for every pay-per-view, they do that countdown show after, if not Dynamite, after Rampage. So it seems like there's, you know, they, they don't mind putting that extra hour on top of what they're already doing on special occasions. Yeah. So, Andrew, do you have seen, you know, the announcements that have, have rolled out from the location building being built up to the announcement of Punk and then on Wednesday night, Punk Wrestling? Where do you sense the sort of the the intrigue level of people for this, this debut show and, and how strong of a foot it's getting off to. I, I think the initial show will do really well. I, I don't know what really well would mean on a Saturday at eight, eight o'clock with, you know, competition. Obviously you got a lot of stuff happening on, on Saturdays. Um, I don't know what that number looks like, but I think, uh, you know, you're going to be higher than most weeks. You know, I, I'm trying to get a gauge of what the success level for that show would be. I, I don't think a million is their target here. Uh, if they do a million viewers per show consistently, I, you know, that would be fantastic. But if we're going to go based on dynamite numbers and kind of equate that, I, I think being in the sevens is a very strong number to be in consistently. And you're uh, talking about that, like once it's in a steady state. I'm sure the once first in a steady state, be pretty big. I, I would I say would, if, I would hope if, so. If they can be in the range of what we just talked about with that first battle of the belt special, I, like a point two six, a point two seven, I think, I think that's a very, very healthy figure to aspire to. And Brandon, just coming off of last night, uh, Way and I were discussing this, the idea that you have punk wrestling and while not advertised, I think a lot of people are expecting CM Punk to talk on this show. And if you can fill up two to three quarters with CM Punk, I mean, that is going to significantly boost that, that first show in my estimation. And I was not someone that was necessarily expecting to have the punk match in week one that that could have been saved. But you look at all of this, like that, that first show you should expect a lot of punk on on this show that I it certainly heightens what I feel the ceiling is for week one. I mean, it would definitely help viewer retention to bookend the show. The first collision with a punk promo at the beginning and then a punk match at the end that you stick around for. Um, I mean, naturally, the, the first or the second rampage had an enormous quarter hour one where punk was on and then it, it went down from there, but still averaged whatever it was, 1.1 million, million viewers. So it makes a lot of sense to to get him in there twice. And as you guys talked about last night, people are probably more interested in hearing from him than seeing him wrestle. Yeah. I think it's smart to also put him in a, in a mix, you know, a, 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 a three on three here, uh, rather than going with the Samoa Joe match that, mm-hmm. you know, that was, that was planned originally. Uh, I'm sure they're going to get to that, you know, and, and I, I find the Jay White stuff interesting. You know, you're, you're building the future couple feuds on that show and I'm interested in all of them. So if you see FTR and, and Bullet Club Gold or you see Joe and Punk, you know, I think that's intriguing enough to, to keep fans, you know, tuned in each week. You know, you could build it out for X amount of months and, and go from there. Now the question is going to be, is Punk going to be on every week? Is he going to wrestle every week? What happens to the weeks that he's not wrestling or he's not on? Um, are you going to alternate, you know, people that are, you know, in the elite to be on that show? If it's a week that punk's not on I, a lot of this stuff is going to be in the air, uh, more than anything else right now. Yeah. And I expect there's going to be some sort of at least soft brand split to keep the talent, you know, to, to make it sort of like 
Raw and SmackDown, at least, is supposed to be where you can only see, you mostly see Roman Reigns, let's say, on, on yeah. SmackDown. I mean, you mostly see Punk on Collision, maybe. And while we haven't seen, beyond, they have explicitly advertised uh, CM Punk for that Greensboro show in August. Uh, he has not been attached to the other advertising, at least, for Collision. Although, I did hear from somebody in Hamilton who stated they had seen um, some, like, electronic billboards in Hamilton for the Collision show, which is not doing too well. Um, and Punk's face is, is on those those ads as well. But that's been an interesting part of this whole rollout is there does seem to be some trepidation in the subsequent cities for Collision that have not seen the movement since Punk's return has been announced. And perhaps some of that is just an unknown. Is, is Punk attached to these shows? And if that's the skepticism, it does show you what kind of a second AEW show means without a CM Punk. And the context of that Hamilton show, there's a lot of dilution there because they're doing that collision on the 29th. I believe that's a Friday after Thursday, Thursday. It's a Wednesday, Thursday in Hamilton after doing dynamite the previous night, which was announced first, that's Mm -hmm. got 3,500 out. And Hamilton is an hour drive from Toronto, right? This this comes not even after, after forbidden door and the, the collision that they're doing there. Yeah, it's, it's a lot in, in the market, but I would say even with all of those shows, the fact that Hamilton is under a thousand is, it's still somewhat surprising to me. And maybe it's just the idea that there's probably a lot of those fans that are going to Forbidden Door that might have already bought their tickets for Dynamite. And it's, and perhaps you just have the question, is Punk even going to be on this show? Because if not, I'm getting the AEW experience at least once that week. Do I need a second night? How about, Andrew, in terms of where you see Collision kind of just falling into a pattern when once a month you are going to have WWE opposition with a premium live event and how you handle those shows if you are AEW? Are these sort of your unofficial big specials of the month to combat that? Or do you feel that there's going to be less of a necessarily competitive nature to those nights that it's just going to fall into this is the new trend and we don't have to build everything around WWE's schedule when we face them head to head once a month. Well, I, I think the first, the first time this happens, the head to head with the pay-per-view, they, they are probably going to counter program it with, you know, as, as much as they can put on TV. Um, the other question is going to be, what are you going to do on all those days? You're going to be preempted. Yeah. Uh, you know, there's, there's, there's quite a few of them. Uh, I, uh, I would, what, what was it? It was like 16 dates. Um, some, something like I would guess maybe we're in the neighborhood of 10 and most of those probably are going to be an earlier part of the year around the playoffs for the NFL, yeah. the, the NBA and the NHL. There might be some baseball maybe later in this year. Um, uh, maybe there's some soccer. I mean, I'm just not sure what's going to take priority and how they're going to deal with that with, I, I don't know if there's room in the scheduling for say it to go on TBS on some night, but they've, they've demonstrated that they're not switching AW shows onto other networks, at least not in the last yeah. couple of years. Uh, I think the first the first night of competition with a pay per view is going to be SummerSlam. Yes, and, and which, is, know, a, that, which is a pretty big night too. When you consider, <laughs> yeah. I don't know how much of an impact the Nate Diaz fight is going to have with, with Jake Paul, but that's going on the the same night as SummerSlam. But yeah, SummerSlam will be yeah. our first um, test to see what kind of a collision uh, goes up. Uh, a very appropriately named uh, new show for AEW as well. And, and that's, you know, and that's a number two pay-per-view they're going up against for WWE. So they either, either they're going to counter program the, the hell out of it or, or they're just going to, you know, just say we're doing a regular taping here, you know, because money in the bank will be in the afternoon, us time. Correct. 
Yeah. Yeah. So they will avoid that one. When you, um, you know, following all of the CM Punk stuff, as we all have, Andrew, was there sort of a, a strong feeling you had one way or the other that ultimately this guy, they are going to find a way to to work things out and get this guy back in? Was there ever a thought on your part that this would be an untenable situation to bring this guy back into the locker room? What were just some of your own feelings as they've evolved since All Out last year? I, I always said if they can make it work, they really should. Uh, you you don't get a opportunity, especially in wrestling, to get a guy with CM Punk's popularity to the level of popularity that he has in your company. You know, it, it's a struggle. It, all most of the guys are locked into contracts, so they can't wrestle anymore. That's the reality. And you had a very unique opportunity with a guy that hasn't wrestled in seven years to come onto your TV and spearhead you as a you know a solid number two or a major competitor to to WWE. Um, I. I I always found it so unfortunate what happened happened. But if if you are a strong manager, if you're a strong leader uh, of a company, you are going to do everything you can to make the best business decision, regardless of your personal feelings. Uh, CM Punk being in that company, and I know it's unfortunate for a lot of people because they don't like to hear that, is the best decision for that company as far as marketability goes. I'm not talking about the culture because uh, you know I don't know what that's going to look like for them. But as far as marketability uh, you're you're in a contract year. You need a big name on your TV. You're now ha- you now have a secondary secondary show on your on Turner property. Uh, you know it was very important to them, and I, AEW knows this. So whether or not you make it work with the elite and probably do the biggest match you you ever could in that company's history currently, um, I, I think this is the best bet to create growth. Uh, you have a video game coming out that has to be successful. You have a toy line that has to be successful. Merchandise, you're selling out. You know they did really well with Wembley, but you're hoping to continue that. And having someone like Punk will help you sell tickets. We're seeing it already for Collision. You know that he's moved. I think it's something like a thousand tickets or so. But everybody knew initially when that United Center show was announced that CM Punk was going to be there or anticipating to be there. Um, it just speaks volumes as to uh, his star power, regardless if you like him or not. And, and with leading up to the, the WBD up front, which was May 17th, there was a lot of anticipation. I, I was talking about for like weeks, weeks in advance. Like I think they're going to announce at least collision here on, on at, at the upfront. Um, a lot of people were, were hearing and talking about a new AWTV deal. And we've since heard from Tony. I've asked him, Dave Meltzer asked him in the last two media conferences that, and he basically said that the length of the deal is the same still. So it's not like there's a new term and renewed contract apparently. And he did say that there's incremental revenue. I, I think it's got to be something, something around now a new deal worth like $70 million for the remainder of what their original term was, which will end either this year or next year. So I know there's, you know, speculation anticipation is going to be like a billion dollar deal, but did, did you hear any of that? Uh, I, I heard all the speculation, uh, you know, I, and I think we spoke a couple of times the the number I was always told prior to this happening was that they really wanted to be in that hundred million mark, you know, a little North of the hundred million mark. So, you know, adding a secondary per year that, that, that was always what I had heard that that's, you know, whether that's 125 million or 110 million, I don't know, but they wanted to be North of that hundred million mark. But you now have another show and you can't a hundred million dollars a year would not be a success for them at that point. They wouldn't look at that as a win. You're offering them another two hours, adding more production, adding more expenses. I think Dave did the math and he said some, the show is costing somewhere around $36 million a year for the production I, I, and to get I everything going. I would say going. around 26 million, half a million at least. That, that, might, million, that might be, yeah. that might be conservative, but yeah, yeah, I could see it being worth $36 million a year to produce. Yeah. 
Yeah, so the catering uh, you know, would take ten million in either yeah. direction. So yeah. that that could offset. <laughs> So I, I, I think for them, you know, if it is $200 million, I know it sounds crazy to give them a billion dollars over five years, but it, it kind of, if you could, you can make those numbers work. If you, if you explain it in the, in the way that kind of makes sense, you know, three shows a week, uh, five hours of content plus BR, you know, pay-per-views plus whatever they're going to do with streaming when that happens. I don't it's think a it's a wild figure at all when you yeah. when you look at like how they're performing and if you get collision that's consistently doing a 0.24 in that range I don't think it's a wild figure in the least and Brandon I know we often go over this but can you just provide a bit of a timeline now like let's assume this this option is picked up by WBD which has never been outright stated but feels assumed at this point when you're launching collision how close in proximity are the Ron Smackdown deals with uh, NBC Universal and Fox with AEW's deal with Warner Brothers. Like, how close are we talking about these uh, rights coming up in proximity to one another? I, I think they're they're three months apart. Now, mm-hmm. t- Tony's never gone on the record and said we expire, you know, December either yeah. twenty twenty three or twenty twenty four. But that's what I believe, and I, I guess that that's based on reading Dave's original report back in January twenty twenty when they renewed this deal from being whatever it was, the cost of production plus ad revenue share, to actually being worth. $44 million a year. Um, so I, I took that to mean it began in January and it's three or four full years, which would make it end, assuming the option is picked up at the end of, at the end of December. WE deal ends in the fall, either September or October 2024. So that's like three months apart. And it seems like these deals usually get renewed about a year and a half in advance. So like right now is the prime time for both of them, I would think. And I think in, in AW's case, with the addition of a new show, I, I imagine what's happening here is rather than making a new deal that is written and agreed to now, I think they would want to see what does Collision do for a rating once it normalizes so that we know what we're buying here. And well, we on- saw what happened with the initial deal, right? They, they did not have a guarantee money deal originally when they went to, when they went to TNT and, and they immediately renegotiated that or, or restructured whatever that deal was because what they were able to generate. I think they, I think there was a lot of surprises with that initial number, especially the consistency, even today, you know, yeah, you could, you could see the Twitter speculation, you know, AEW is not doing well in ratings, but the people in power and the people that really understand these things realize, you know, the numbers are really solid. Cable's not what it was 20 years ago. You can't go based on that. You can't go based on 10 years ago or even five years ago. Media viewing habits have totally shifted. And to get a product that does in the proximity of a million viewers every week for you, live content, that, that goes a real, really long way. Yeah. And yeah. What, what really matters is, is the rank and we can compare it to the Monday Night Wars or something like that. But, um, and, it, and it's a fraction of, of whatever Raw or, or Nitro were doing back then. But where these shows rank is really the key. And Raw, SmackDown and Dynamite rank quite well when you look at that Showbiz Daily chart. Yeah, I, I often use the the analogy for people that don't quite like grasp like the the differences is that it's it would be like an NBA team that clinches the division with like 55 wins. And the argument is, well, they're certainly not the 98 Bulls. I'm like, well, they're not playing the 98 <laughs> Bulls and they don't need that amount of wins to win the conference. The 55 wins is where the parity was this year in the season. And this is the first place team. So you're going by these rankings that they're up against the the current competition. And while we're talking about rankings, something that has um, certainly elevated itself in these last two weeks has been NXT with an infusion of main roster talent. And we saw them rank fourth last week, 
fifth this week, and they are poised to do a very big number next week when you have a Seth Rollins match on television. So clearly an edict, Andrew, that they are very much beefing up their third property, and it makes a lot of sense given the negotiations and a lot of interesting tactics that Nick Khan has pretty much disclosed in a lot of these recent speeches. Yeah, I, I find Nick's approach really different uh, when it comes to especially pro wrestling. You know, he doesn't treat it like he works for a pro wrestling company. He treats it like he works for any major sports property or a media company. And the transparency has been really interesting to see when he's having these conversations and he's saying, yeah, you know, we, we're open to moving raw. We're open to adding this, you know, I third hour uh, Smackdown, a, a fourth hour. He said a fifth if he could do it. Eight, eight hours of, of Raw. You know, he actually said that to me in person when I saw him a couple of years ago and we were just, it was a, it was an event here in New York and I brought it up to him about it. He's like, I would do five hours if I could. I could do six hours if I could, you know, cause it's a money generator. They know that. Um, I, I, I think WWE right now is in, is in a tremendous boom period, uh, with attendance gates and, and viewership and that key demo on SmackDown was, I mean, tremendous. You know, over three million viewers for that last segment. With what was it? I think it was a point. Was it point seven? The, fi- the final quarter averaged two point nine million viewers. It's po- I don't. I've not seen minute by minute. It's possible one of the minutes was over, or some of the minutes yeah. were over three million. Yeah, I mean that that's uh, super impressive. Yeah, it was that pie face to Jimmy. You know that the minute by minutes just just spiked that, on, that, on that pie that face, spike right that reaction from from the from the crowd. I mean, Brandon, are you looking at? Kind of what is your thought on how NXT plays a role in these negotiations and that it's another interesting bargaining chip that they have. And this also comes on the heels of, of this Twitch deal that we haven't uh, discussed, which, you know, sounded like a very interesting deal on Monday. Uh, in watching the execution of it Monday night, uh, it felt like this team got the notice about this Um so that morning, you were, uh, you were watching Drew Gulak eat, right? Is that what was happening? Dude, within 10 minutes, the guy <laughs> is like having a snack while he's eating. I cannot stand eating when people are talking. It is the <laughs> biggest uh, detriment uh, anyone can commit into my ears is eating while while speaking. And I mean, it was just literally like the three of them talking for about an hour and 40 minutes. And then Megan Morant had to take off. She had to do raw talk. Uh, Ryan Papola from the bump, he had to get going. And then it's just on Drew Gulak's channel for the last thing. And no promotion of this at all on Raw, which I found interesting, whether that was a WWE call of wanting to do a soft launch and work out kinks, or if NBC Universal does not want WWE actively sending people to a non-NBC Universal property during during our show as an alternate broadcast. Well, for, for NXT, those rights actually expire this fall. So... I would expect an announcement sometime in the next few months, at least. I mean, if it's not renewed, I mean, I'm just going to stay with NBCU. Um, but maybe it, it just gets extended an additional year so they can work something out with the new deals. But there's, there's NXT to, to deal with. And I, like, what's the value of it? I think it's not been that much in the last few years, although it's doing a lot better now. I'm looking at the year over year differences and it's up 20% in the demo. Uh, it's about flat in total viewership, but the dem- demo probably matters more because that's where the ad sales are. Um, but if they can make it into something stronger, if now, if I'm an executive though, like I, I'm not sure that this is what NXT is going to do long term until I see a, a longer track record here. Cause it's only been, you know, in the last six months or so that NXT has been doing incrementally better. Um, we'll see what happens as, as the months go on. Um, I think a, a big piece in addition to NXT and probably comparably important is where the next day rights go, which were extended to a line to be coterminous. As Brandon Ross would say, with 
the the live rights. So where where did those go? Because I would imagine that those have a similar value, current value, uh, to, to whatever NXT is getting, maybe in the neighborhood of like ten or twenty million dollars or something like that. With SmackDown, Andrew, like that seems to be the most interesting piece in all of this because there seems to be like this could be a choose your own adventure of where this show ends up, in what iteration, what length. Um, are there any interesting ideas you see for SmackDown? And I mean, ultimately, can you see this staying on Fox? Do you see some interesting alternatives of how you how you how you market the, this two hour show that is you know, for all intents and purposes, if, if you are delineating between the two, is the A show at, at this point. And I think it's very clear to see when you have your biggest story playing out on the show each week. I, th- I think as far as uh, as uh, for Peacock goes, the negotiation with NBCU, uh, you would kind of want everything under one roof. Uh, I, I think it's 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 vital for them to attempt to try to get that. Now, I know that it was a cost cost problem last time. They couldn't justify the cost of paying what what fox paid for smackdown i don't i don't believe that uh they would give it up you know they would just say we don't want it uh i I think the reality is uh, fox wants to keep them as a property now whether or not it makes sense financially that that's an important thing but like you said the next day rights go a long way and if nbc could grab the next day rights for that and continue on the same goes for for aw we don't really know what they're going to do next day rights so i i I, those have no uh, home currently there is no home you know it's it's all over the place you could watch on tnt or you could watch on tbs and that's really not a way to do it there's no next day rights deal going on uh, we'll see what happens with Max, but the next day rights are as important as live viewership in the next couple of years, you know, as we, as we go over to change the viewing habits. And I will give everyone an update. I am still getting daily inquiries. How can I watch collision in Canada? I'm trying folks. I, I, th- I think I've angered the people at, uh, at, at TSN. I think is, is that why these ticket sales are not good is because no one knows where they're going to watch it. I mean, they, listen, they don't even um, know if it's a real show in Canada. It's like at this point, you you don't know where it's going to end up. I would think at the very least, uh, TSN Plus can uh, that's uh, TSN's uh, like uh, streaming platform, which is how we watch Rampage up here. It is not on television in Canada um, that that would be the least. But uh, TSN Plus, who's got the relationship with AEW, they did not uh, they did not touch all access. Like if you you had no access in Canada to all access. So how did you watch all access? Um, you know what? It was, I had to do some digging, uh, Brandon <laughs> online to go, go find this show and, uh, and, and follow along. I'll you can watch it on Max now, I think. Maybe it's starting tomorrow, actually. But you don't, yes. get, you don't have Max either. Another service we don't get in Canada. <laughs> Jeez, it's, it's not a great day to be a Canadian if you're in, in America. Just, uh, all, all the little things we are missing out on. We'll, we'll, uh, we'll wrap up in a, in a couple of minutes, Andrew, but I also wanted to just talk a little bit about, um, so, sort of your career and where you have sort of growing yourself into, you know, a very well-known wrestling reporter and such. And how would you kind of just assess the landscape at, at this point and, and where you, th- you overall feel like the overall wrestling media landscape um, stands, the health of it all? I, I, I think, you know, what we're doing now is the, what is the most healthy that it's ever been. You know, there's, there's synergy amongst different type of journalists and different type of media personalities and uh, people work together to put together true stories Rather than speculative, you know, nonsense and, and filling in the blanks. I, I think it, it's really healthy. We have great people, uh, covering stuff. You know, WrestleNomics, uh, unbelievable numbers. Uh, it's my cheat sheet every week for my shows more than anything else. But I, my I, I think the land- show. 
I I think that the business is changing and it's healthy right now and it's in a boom period. So it's positive all around and having competition, you know, having AEW uh, exist has really changed how wrestling is covered now. I, I think both companies are more open to talk to media and both, both companies are, are more open to, uh, having conversations that they normally wouldn't have had. Uh, I think, those I think press conferences by WWE that happen now with Paul Vec and, and, and wrestlers, would those even be happening if AW wasn't doing them earlier? I don't think so. I don't, I don't think it would be happening. I, you know, it's more of a sports thing. This is what you see at the end of every, you know, playoff game. There's a press conference happening and I think it's healthy. You, you have to have communication and it also, you know, it, it trains people on when to ask and how to ask. And, you know, as long as you get the answer that you're looking for, it works out in the end. I find the pressers to be hysterical for AEW. I think AEW's one is more of a wild west scenario compared to what Paul's doing with his press conferences where it's way more structured with the questioning. Uh, I, I just think that we're in, we're in the healthiest period that we've been in in a very long time and, and hopefully it continues that way. Yeah. I feel with the press conferences, like they're, they're still to me, um, you know, it, it's, it's certainly like an open line of communication with a Paul Levesque, with a Tony Khan. It's the performers that I don't know if they quite understand, like, what is my role here? Am I still, is this still a WWE production where I am playing Otis for lack of a better comparison? Am I coming out as just myself? And I think you're, you're going to have performers that are going to shift from one to the other. And some are like a Brian Danielson, perfect for, for that kind of a setting. And others where like a Tony Storm that you were there for, uh, Brandon, like for, for some media, maybe that is the kind of content that they want. And it's going to depend on what your outlet is, what you're seeking for these. But I think the performers are somewhat in this this gray area of is this an AEW production or is this a a media event that is for the media? In my experience, like there's depending on who the media member is and what kind of you know media they they produce, I think they 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 have different interests in asking different questions. Like I, I guess what I'm getting at is there's a lot of media members who are happy to ask a kayfabe question and get a kayfabe answer, you know? Um, and then there's some stuff in the middle and then, you know, you'll have like just me who will like only ask questions to Tony or something like that. You, you would never eat a pickle. I'd not eat a pickle. No, nor a, nor a, cu- a cupcake. No, thank yes. you. Yeah. No, no, no eating at these, these press conferences. As I, as I said, that was actually my biggest gripe with that press conference with punk was doing this all with a full mouth of a, of a cupcake. No <laughs> <That's> less. It's <laughs> been terrible for you. Yeah. <laughs> Mindy's has to make some kind of appearance in the, these next couple of months. I, I would is, feel is that like, our next, I hope next so. guest. Oh, Mindy. I actually, I, I actually had a thought of trying to reach out to, to Mindy and see if she was aware of like what a, an imprint she has made, um, by, by default of this connection with CM Punk. But maybe like we got at the first dance with all those, uh, ice cream bars, maybe Punk is going to feed the United That's Center everyone. with Mindy's. Yeah. I mean, you want to get over as a baby face. That's what you do, right? That's it. What kind of, uh, we'll end on this, Andrew. What are your expectations on the reactions for Punk post Chicago? Like that next week, if he's in Toronto, Hamilton, the subsequent cities afterward, do you expect it? Like here is the big star that in person he's going to be just mega over to these crowds, or do you sense that there's going to be a mix once you get outside of Chicago? 
I, I expect it to be more in the favor of Punk returning. Uh, but it also depends on who he's in a program with. You know, I, I think him and Joe would be interesting to see. That may be a little bit of a negative because a lot of people like Joe. Uh, putting him in with FTR is a smart bet. Maybe you could do that for a couple of weeks, but I think it's going to go city to city. If they're in New York, he might get booed. If they're in, uh, you know, uh, Cal, you know, Rancho Cucamonga, they may get booed. But I, I, I think generally it's going to be positive. Collision in Rancho Cucamonga. That that needs to be a. That's what you oppose a WWE pay per view with. Yep. They're doing a dynamite in Edmonton, and Kenny is from Edmonton, right? Winnipeg. Winnipeg. Okay. Yeah. Okay. They're not going to Winnipeg. They've been to Winnipeg recently. Okay. Yeah. Maybe, maybe Punk will bring out Brett for cover in in Edmonton. He'll he'll uh, bring him up, or at least uh, maybe Oge potentially. Well, Andrew, uh, do let uh, all of our viewers let them know uh, where they can hear more of you. Of course, uh, co-hosting Wrestling Observer Live, We're Live Pal, and of course, the Matt Med Podcast. Where can they go to find more of Andrew Zarian? If you go to WrestlingObserver.com, you can check me out every Sunday. We're Wrestling Observer Live. Uh, we're Live Pal every Tuesday on Wrestling Observer and Matt Men on the Matt Men channel. But if you follow me on Twitter, at Andrew Zarian, you could get all that info. Is there anyone that has a better backdrop, with due respect to Brandon Thurston, than uh, than Garrett Gonzalez? I mean, the 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 backdrop with uh, Dave Meltzer's office to me, it gets me every time when I'm on with him. It's it spooks me that you I know, feel like Dave you know, is right over his shoulder. Every now and then, John. Every now and then, Dave will turn and look right at the camera and turn back. I don't know <laughs> what it is. Every now and then. <laughs> Phenomenal. Well, Andrew, thanks so much for uh, for jumping on with us. It was great to have you on the show. I'm sure we will uh, do this again. And uh, absolutely, a, a great Anytime. work on like all your reporting for this. Like you've been on top of Collision right from the get go. You know, I told my wife yesterday we were uh, as when they put that punk commercial that he's back uh, on the TV. I'm like, well, I'm done. I'm wiped out. That was the last bit. That was the last story. The match announcement was the last thing I had. So now I'm retired. I'm finished. Yeah, because because we know it'll all be smooth sailing here when it comes to yeah, CM Punk, yeah, AEW. Like everything's going to work out peacefully. They're just gonna happily ever after. This is it. We're all, we're all gonna we'll be able to work a- after this. But uh, yeah. thanks a lot, Andrew, and we'll chat thanks with so you much. soon. Thanks a lot. Thanks, I'll see Andrew. you guys. Take care. Thanks for having me. All right. Well, getting into a collision there, and yes, we did have the uh, the match announcement on Wednesday night that it will be CM Punk and FTR taking on Jay White. Juice Robinson and Samoa Joe on that first show at the United Center, which uh, has roughly put out about 8,000 or so tickets and probably is going to get a a healthy bump over the the final 10 days before that show at the United Center as it gets the the big push. And maybe do we get one more announcement next Wednesday on Dynamite for Collision with... Uh, What's there left to announce? We'll hear from CM Punk? What is there left to announce? There's always another announcement, Brandon. Another always. major announcement at... Uh, collision. Um, what do you think it's going to do for a rating on the seventeenth? First show. Um, I am going to. I I think that they are going to do a a point three in the demo. That's point my three. prediction. I'm going to say eight hundred fifteen thousand viewers. I was I'm looking at the big spreadsheet and I'm thinking, what is Dynamite doing now? And I think that's kind of an over under. Will it do? What Dynamite has been doing for for the last month or so, which you know, last week we don't know what last night's did yet. We will in a couple hours, but but last week's did a point two nine in the demo. Week before that did a point three two in the demo. So I think that's that's probably good over under whatever Dynamite is doing to to drive people to go outside of their normal you know viewing routine and watch the show. I yeah, I would say high point two high high twenties, low thirties. Um, what it does from there, 
I would say in the teens once it normalizes. Yeah. It's, it's, it's been a long time that we have seen like a franchise that just seems so centered around one individual. Like you take punk out of this mix. I'm, I'm very low on what a average collision would do. And honestly, like if you are relying on punk on a weekly or even bi-weekly basis, I mean, that, that novelty will wear itself out. Like this is going to have to be a self-sustaining show that you do have several stars that can create habits for people on Saturday nights to watch this show. And at least the, the early indicators are that, you know, when, when I had asked Tony Khan on the last conference call, like your positives you see about a Saturday, like he did note, like this is the best night of the week to draw for live events. And week one has shown that, but we have not seen that in terms of other cities that, at least the curiosity of a new show is is not enough for people that it's just the AEW launching a new show and we know it's going to be a great wrestling show, but it has not really galvanized that audience to just take it at their word that this is going to be something I, I need to buy my tickets for in advance. And I mean, live events are nice. And even in the event that all these collision events are sold, selling out, the most important thing, the biggest media uh, revenue source is media is your TV rights fees. So that's greatly more important what the TV rating is versus what the ticket sales are, even though the TV ratings are hard to, for some people to understand sometimes. So if there's one lesson to take from this, potentially, one of the early lessons of collision, much like that that year WrestleMania was in Seattle and didn't do a great pay-per-view number, and mm-hmm. they blamed it on Seattle, mm-hmm. Canada's fault. It could be Canada's fault, yeah. It's Canada. Could be, could be Let's blame Canada. Yeah. Chicago's doing great. What, what's wrong? It's not us. It's Hamilton. Yeah. It's Toronto. What's going on? Yeah. Can't go to two nights of wrestling in, in Toronto. It's all you, you will not be going to collision in Toronto, correct? Appointments or something. What's that? You will not be going to collision in Toronto. You're just I'm going not, to Forbidden Door. I'm not planning on on because I'm I'm just going to drive to Toronto and then drive back home to Buffalo. So I don't think I'm going to do that drive two days in a row. Yes, uh, I did get my media credential for Forbidden Door, and then the other day I got an offer from somebody uh, that that offered me for free. A front row seat at Forbidden Door, and I, I had to forgo the offer. I was like, I, "Really? Was, yeah. was it uh, opposite the hard cam?" I don't know if it was opposite the hard cam. Uh, knowing this person wouldn't surprise me. So um, there, I, I could have been a meme by the end of the night with my stopwatch and my notes, uh, Even facing holding the, up a, a giant waiting head. Um, yeah, I, I only have so many hands uh, to 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 keep busy. But yes, uh, while we. Uh, haven't really had a chance to talk about this. Did, have you followed at all the whole live golf PGA situation uh, this week where they are, they are coming together along with uh, the PGA's uh, DP world tour, which is their European league. And this is, this sounds like this was an unbelievably secretive event kept to a very small amount of people. And they just stunned everyone uh, earlier this week with the announcement of a merger where the public investment fund, in not so many words has kind of taken over control of golf pending the, uh, pending the approval of this merger. Yeah. It's, it's really curious why they didn't. I mean, given this, that they've wanted to get into big time pro sports, curious why they didn't make, apparently make a stronger bid for WWE. Um, from reading over that big filing, it's pretty clear to me that the, the anonymized bidders that are mentioned there besides Endeavor, which is not anonymous, um, are, Liberty Media, who made the the offer, uh, which needed financing, and then apparently another bidder, which I think is NBC Universal slash Comcast, made a an offer for whatever the stock price was at the time. I think seventy six, seventy seven dollars per share. Um, and there's no 
no evidence to me in that filing that the Saudis made a really strong bid for WWE. Um, obviously, they, they made a bid for Formula One, which was reported, right, and didn't get it. Um, and uh, they, they're doing this. So I don't know if they were saving up or, or what the deal is. But uh, Jay Monahan, who is the commissioner, right, of, of PGA. This had dude's been, been scorched this week, and rightfully so. Ha- has been up, up until now, has, has been, you know, tearing down the live golf and, you know, saying that he's aligned with uh, the families of, of the victims of 9-11. And uh, now they're, gets in the they're, bed with they're in business. With, yeah. uh, he pretty much had the state this week. I know a lot of people will cl- claim I'm a hypocrite and uh, basically saying uh, I, I can accept being called that essentially. Like this guy is just there to be, I mean, uh, I don't know. It's just such an awful look, but I mean, it's, it's par for the course. No, no there's a, there. there's a PR playbook for this that we've, uh, we've been studying for the last four or five years. And you say, you know, PGA and live golf, we're changing the world there. We're being part of the change here. Is there, is there a women's tour uh, that's going to be a part of this? I guess there's the women's PGA, right? LPGA. Yeah. yeah. It's interesting as well that you figure like how this works with all the, their television partners that are, they are contracted to the PGA and did not want anything to do with live golf. Live golf had to get the deal on, on the CW and how that all works uh, now as well. Cause these are long-term deals that the PGA has. I think they go through like 2030 or so with the, the various networks like CBS and NBC and ESPN. But it's a, it's a very interesting story and certainly just dovetails on what a lot of our conversations have been in WWE and how close this came to being in uh, WWE as one of the suitors with the, public investment fund. And I would venture to guess that this is probably not the end. Uh, like for those unfamiliar, like the public investment fund from what I've seen is it's worth about $700 billion is in this fund and they expect it to grow to over a trillion dollars. So it is like ungodly amounts of money that they have to run and operate. You would think like the PGA is merely step one in a um, significant like imprint that they want on a worldwide basis in sports and probably going beyond sports. Well, they own Newcastle United soccer team, right? Um, according to my notes, PGA has a deal with CBS, NBC, and ESPN, which expires 2030, uh, average annual value of $700 million per year. All so right. that's like, you know, almost, you know, almost double what Raw and SmackDown are combined. A little bit less than that. And as well, Collision, we had the, the blank date of July 29th that has now been filled. Collision on that night will go to the site of Raw from this past Monday, the XL Center in Hartford, Connecticut, which featured a crowd that uh, waiting was very, very negative on for their lack of heat. So we will see if we get a different audience uh, for July 29th. So now they have announced collisions through August the 12th, which is the date in Greensboro, North Carolina, which is a show that um, the Greensboro Coliseum has advertise CM Punk for. And I would guess at some point we get some kind of idea of what Punk's schedule is going to be beyond just the United Center. Is he on Forbidden Door? Is he going to be weekly on Collision? Because I think his his involvement is going to mean a lot for uh, these shows and whether they are um, going to, uh, like, I think there will be a very distinct distinction between Punk shows and non-Punk shows. Yeah, I know they wanted to do the Hiroshi Tanahashi match last year until Punk got hurt. So that's something that maybe they, they'll do. And I mean, why not? Um, yeah, if they're going to Hartford, I wonder if uh, Vince McMahon will be there for that one as well. That's a great question. Will, yeah, maybe Vince is going to show up and want to change the script the day of the show for AEW, offer his insight. Maybe, yeah. you know, he'll, he'll go up to Adam Cole and say, you're looking a bit frail. Maybe you're a better manager than you are <laughs> a main event babyface. 
Yeah. Did you did you watch that promo? The uh, where we're uh, they're gonna have a piss piss test. Yeah, I had it on mute, and I did see the closed captioning, and I, I did see something that was alluding to drug tests. I thought that was very interesting. Um, that's that's a choice. I wonder. You know, I don't know what the, the approval process is. If something like that actually gets approved by Tony or not, but. Um, Along you know, the lines of that subject, about a year ago or so, it was around the time that Jeff Hardy was you know getting arrested for his, his last DUI. Um, there was a media call, and Sean Radican asked something about a wellness policy and whether there was one. He said there was one, and then I asked if there was drug testing. He said there was drug testing. Is drug testing? They're allowed. To, I believe they're allowed to test the wrestlers as part of their contracts. I'm guessing that that's for cause, and that there's no random drug testing. Yeah, I, I seem to recall that was the the joke during the like '90s period about uh, WWF and do they test? And it would be like, yes, well, if they if they suspect uh, usage, and it's like, well, what what cl- what it constitutes uh, suspecting? It's like, well, if they're walking around with a syringe in their ass, then we would uh we would have cause. Yeah, if you're passed out in the locker room, maybe we would test you. Maybe. Yeah, we will. Uh, well, maybe that that question will be brought up, or m- maybe they'll do the uh, the Lance Storm Tommy Dreamer angle where. Uh, mm-hmm. And Jeff's going to piss into a cup and then cold dumps it over his head. Yeah. It's, it's, it's hard to, to be drug tested if, if, if when you give your sample, you, you make the cup melt. So we'll see what happens. <laughs> we, we can only, uh, we can only guess of, uh, where, where this uh, program goes further. Well, we are going to be winding down and, uh, planning to be back, uh, next week. How are you enjoying the, uh, the, the, the weekly Pollock and Thurston sessions, Brandon? It's very good. Do, do you want to share my screen for me? We can talk, do you want to talk briefly about the, uh, the SmackDown quarters? Yes, let's go over. Uh, this was a huge, huge, uh, look at that. Look at the Roman Reigns effect here. This is, this is not great news for, uh, loyal listener Jermaine from Chicago, but the facts are the facts. Look at this growth. So uh, the bloodline segment was pretty much, I would say like 29 of the final 30 minutes. And of course, this is the, the final, uh, quarter jumping to 2,901,000 viewers. Yeah, was it was it that long? Because we've got other stuff here in the second to last quarter hour. L.A. night post match angle, the Viking Raiders and ad break. Uh, I, I will admit I'm not the one who uh, wrote the the quarter hour uh, labels here. Jason Ompersor did, uh, but but anyway, this is 2.9 million viewers for a quarter, and I have, I think I have every dynamo every AEW quarter ever. I mean, it's the only company that's been around since 2019, and I have WWE quarters going back to early 2022. I do not have a quarter hour data point. That is as high as this 2.9 million viewers. Um, this is the third highest demo quarter hour data point that I have. There are two quarter hour data points in the post WrestleMania raw for this year that were higher. So, I mean, you can see that if people watching the video can see that the trend lines here, which show you where this show usually goes or on average over the course of the last 90 days, how this show is a two hour show trends from quarter to quarter and those last two quarters zoom well above where the normal trend is. And I often say that quarter hours are hard to decipher and they're hard to get really meaningful narratives out of, except for times like this where it really, it's super obvious and it's undeniable. And this, this is, there's no question that like it was the content that drove this difference to happen. Yeah. I mean, when it kind of breaks the scale like this, it's, it's really hard to deny what, what, what the cause of it was. So this was the, Largest audience since the Cena show on December 30th when he wrestled the tag match and highest quarter since that big Christmas day episode that had the NFL lead in at the end of 2020, I believe. Highest demo 
eighteen to forty nine audience. Yes, highest demo since since the the Christmas Day twenty twenty NFL leading game, and accepting that highest since March twentieth. So I mean, SmackDown and Raw for that matter continue to do better than they were doing last year. Yeah, I mean Raw had a, a it was their highest audience since the day after WrestleMania, and the third hour it was. Um, a very strong third hour for them with, again, another um, Seth Rollins championship match with Damian Priest. So you can look at uh, SmackDown on Friday was a grand slam. Raw was a very, very solid, uh, I would say a solid number given what they were up against. And NXT this week, uh, two weeks in a row um, that it's performed well. So you have all three shows that are, you know, I don't know if SmackDown can replicate it this week, but they are building it again around a big bloodline story point with uh Jay Uso having to make his big decision. So we will see if um, the same magic that worked for LeBron James uh, works for Jay Uso with the decision this Friday. Couldn't come at a better time for WWE for them to be doing better ratings lately. Yes. Were you surprised that they didn't just trot out Vince McMahon on Monday? What the hell? Uh, did, but wasn't there some comment that like he's done as a character? He's committed to that? I think he's been done as a character since he uh, blew up in a limousine 15 years ago. And I, but I, he's mentored uh, Austin Theory since then. Have we seen the last Vince McMahon on screen appearance? I say no. Absolutely not. <sighs> what do you mean by on screen appearance, though? I like showing I imagine up. Imagine Hill. Not, he not like it. some, uh, like physically on Raw, on SmackDown, coming out to his music. Depends on like how long he lives, I guess. Um, Probably last I I, I I probably because I think there's I mean, if we're factoring in all the possibilities here I mean I think there's a possibility that this merger gets completed and I'm not saying that this is going to happen or I believe this him is and Ari Emanuel walk out with Dana White <laughs> on Raw I I think there's a possibility that you after this merger is completed and he no longer has controlling voting power that he's he's quite vulnerable and if there's more scandal news that breaks or something like that that he could possibly be removed I'm not sure what the legalities are around that but I would think. If there's a time where, not to be too conspiratorial, but if there's a time where you're going to remove Vince McMahon, it's soon after that, after he actually has no more, not no more power, but has way diminished power. All right. Well, on that note, we're going to uh, wind things down. So thank you to everybody uh, for joining us. We will be back next week and uh, we're working on some, uh, some big guests over the next while. So we will keep you all uh, up to date on, uh, on our next guest. If you have any requests, be sure to, uh, Throw them up in the comment section. You are more than welcome to. Tonight, Wei Ting and I will be joined by Brandon from New Jersey. We are doing a live watch along at 8.15 p.m. Eastern time at postwrestlingcafe.com. We are going to be doing a research study into the number one show on Wednesday nights. We are going to be watching Vanderpump Rules as we will discover what is this phenomenon that is in its 10th season and has had um, an explosion in popularity on Wednesday nights. So that is coming up tonight on our live watch along for fans of WrestleNomics. They will be back on Sunday and where can people get the latest and greatest from Brandon Thurston from ratings, news quarter hour breakdowns and your news updates. Well, well, first I've, I've uh, I'm excited for the Brandon from New Jersey watch along. And I think that is in fact the, the secret that, WWE may need to make these sidecasts on Twitch more more exciting. They need to book Brandon from New Jersey, perhaps. No um, one will be allowed to eat on this watch along tonight. I promise. <laughs> what was he eating? Oh, it was like some chips or some, some kind of like granola or something. He was just eating it out of a bag, and it just felt like, man, this is 15 minutes in. I could not possibly imagine sitting down and watching this 
uh, as opposed to, to raw. Like, obviously, they can't show footage. They couldn't yeah. even have, like, the audio in the background or anything. Right. It just felt so un-WWE in terms of just a production. And you read this press release, and it's like, it feels like, okay, here's a significant deal for them that you would assume. And you watched it, and it was as bare bones as you could imagine a, a WWE setup to be. And No Manning cast. No, and I mean, at least there you have like it's the all the ESPN synergy behind that. And this, like, you could watch Raw, you would have had no idea this thing was even happening. So, anyway, uh, more core hour reports are coming out on the Patreon, patreon.com slash WrestleNomics. That'll be tomorrow. Those core hour reports should come out. Um, Dynamite rating later today, we'll have that uh, reported when those come out this afternoon. And uh, WrestleNomics Radio is back. I believe with Jesse and with Chris Gullo, Jesse Collins and Chris Gullo, uh, Sunday live on YouTube at 11 a.m. Eastern. And after that, on your podcast app, both on the post wrestling feed and the Russell Knox radio wrestling feed. Yes. Uh, and if you check out Brandon's uh, updates the other day, he had some really interesting uh, live attendance and gate information for several AEW and WWE major events from 2022 and 2023 from the, uh, the secret of world of pole star. Yes. That uh, for about, um, I think the the public investment fund could barely afford a uh, a yearly subscription to, but it is it's uh, expensive. Um, I'm considering. <laughs> we'll talk about that offline. I'm considering uh, get, get, getting the, the subscription. Will give you like a three month window into everything. So yeah, maybe maybe yeah. we'll link up with like a dozen other sites and we'll go in on an account together for uh, for yeah. for Polestar information. We'll. Uh, yeah, we'll find out that, uh, more about that. But thanks to everyone for joining us. That is it for Pollock and Thurston. Thank you to Andrew Zarian for joining us. And that is it. Wilson, you sent the game-winning email at the buzzer, avoiding a 4.55 meeting on everyone's calendar. How did you do it? I got a huge assist from Grammarly, an AI writing partner that helped me make my point. 96% of Grammarly users say that it helps them craft more impactful writing. Would you agree? Grammarly helped adjust my tone to navigate tough work conversations. And it works everywhere I write, so I can quickly communicate effectively. Your teammate used Grammarly to summarize an important document, making a three-pointer. How did he do it? It only took one click. When everyone uses Grammarly, everything just makes sense. You made an incredible slam dunk to end the game. The meeting was canceled, and your team will go home champions. Go to Grammarly.com slash podcast to download it for free. That's Grammarly.com slash podcast. Easier said, done.